Welcome to All Things Tibet, a podcast hosted by Taylor and Brittany. We'll be coming to you with brand new episodes every Tuesday. If you want to tweet along as you listen, feel free to use the hashtag AllThingsTibetPod. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. This is All Things Tibet, episode five. I can't believe that. No, I can't either. Because we've only released two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel right. No, it doesn't. Because <laughs> sometimes I'll talk when I talk to people about the podcast, they'll say something and I'm like, no, but remember I brought I'm like, oh no, you haven't even heard that episode yet. Forget it. Forget it. Yeah. You don't understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> we'll get yeah, it. You will. You'll get there. Don't worry. You just wait a couple weeks. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> the episode we're talking about today is season one of the original series. Episode three, let's do it, which the line actually comes from Tina. This is a happier Tibet episode, I would say. Do you agree? For the most part, until the end. Yes. So talk about how the episode starts. I was literally about to say, let's do it. And then I realized, no, that's a pun. You can't do that. Don't be (laughs) that guy, Taylor. You could. So the scene is set where Tina's going for a run. She has this epiphany and she stops right by their house and she says, okay, let's do it. She comes in the house, Bet is getting ready for the day. She's just got out of the shower. Then what? Tina comes up to her and like wraps her arms around her and is like, guess what? And Bet, typical Bet, has to be like, what? You're all sweaty and stinky and I just got out of the shower. Like Bet, <laughs> give the woman a break. She's yeah. clearly excited about something. Come on. But it is, it is in more of like a kind of like teasing, loving kind of way. So like, I'll give her, I'll give her a pass. It's fine. Yeah. That is the, probably one of the last passes you'll give her, but sure. Tina lets Bet know that she's on board to have a baby, but is a little perplexed and says, well, I think that we need sperm if it's going to be worth it. And she says, I'm going to the cryobank. I'm going to, she said to get Marcus Allen with sperm. And she said, yes, of course. We no, to get the other dude's sperm, yeah. they have stored their bed. That, that doesn't work. That is, um, <laughs> I've said all. this many times, and I will say it many times again. What I always say about Bet is that, wow, for a genius, she is real dumb. Yeah, she kind of misses what's right in front of her, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, so Tina gives her the green light that she's ready to go, and Bet is very happy. Like shower sex happy. Yes, like brings Tina into the shower and we don't see the rest of the scene, but we can only safely assume that that's what they did next. Yeah, I mean, Bet drops her robe and gets into the shower with Tina. So like, I think we can infer what might have happened. Yes, you are right about that. We jump ahead a bit in the episode and we see them bring home the sperm. Yes. And they have a moment where they're, how would you describe what they're doing? Honoring it? I guess that's, <laughs> is that appropriate to say? Yeah, they were honoring the Yeah, I um, believe that is the word they use, in fact. Yeah. And Marcus Allen Wood's extremely high sperm count. Drinking wine, and as we know from the first part of the pilot, it is easier to do the insemination if you are aroused. Yes. So they proceed to the bedroom and have what is, in my opinion, one of the most intimate sex scenes that we see love scenes that we. See. I was actually going to say that because yeah. I was thinking about how 
we've been asking you guys on Twitter about sex scenes and stuff like that. And when this came on, I was like, I forgot this one was here. Yeah. Like I didn't, but I feel like it never gets lumped in with the rest of the sex scenes somehow. Maybe because it's just a little more tender and a little less, I don't want to say it's less sexy because it's not. If anything, it's more sexy because it's so loving and and sweet, but it's definitely got a different feel to it. Yeah, it does. And actually I have done polls and such in Facebook groups over time. And I remember the very first time that I did one, I went through all the episodes. I talked to people in the fandom. I was like, okay, I have it down. There are only eight sex scenes between Bet and Tina. And I forgot about this one, which, and actually there's an article out there that says there's 10 because they count the doctor's office and the pilot as a sex scene though. I don't really count that. No. Yeah. That's like counting the first or second clip that we see of them in the pilot in the bathroom, like a sex scene or like the, the shower scene that we see that gets cut off. Anyways, in case you were wondering, there are there are nine sex scenes between Bet and Tina. This is one of them. And it's, yeah, it's a very sweet, touching moment between them. Oh, I love it. We get a great shot of their backs. Jennifer's back. Mm-hmm. Laurel's back. We get one of Laurel's, too. Yeah, we get great shots of their backs, which, uh, I mean, I'm not complaining about. Not to ruin the happiness of this scene at all, but yeah. one of the things I wrote down was, it makes me so sad they didn't get this with Angie. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, yeah. Damn it, Taylor, what the f- I'm sorry. I just, oh, I needed man. you to suffer with me because it made me really sad. Like, I was thinking about it and I was like, oh my God, this is so cute. It's them and their baby. Oh, wait, no. You know... I know we drag Beth a lot in this podcast and that won't change, but Tina not telling Beth that she was pregnant for as long as she did, that shit was fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like the whole time that Tina was pregnant with Angie, it was just so, it was just such a chaotic time for them. Yeah. So you're right. It is sad that they didn't have this moment. It's sweet that they have this moment in their history. Yes. I don't want to downplay that. Even no. if you ultimately, you know, miscarry this child, but I agree that it's sad. You know what I also wonder if it will ever come up if Angie knows that Laurel or I'm sorry that Tina kept her pregnancy from Bet for so long. Mm. There's so much I want to know if Angie knows. Yeah. Does she know that? Does she know about that one time that Bet kidnapped her? I mean, you know about like Helena and Tina. Does she yeah. know about? Alice has she met met, Helena yeah yeah does she know like the history here does she know about Jenny does she know about obviously she talks about Kit she knew Kit well and Kit was president in her life but yeah I don't know how much she knows because the way we see Tina and Angie talking in Gen Q the way that Tina is telling that story to her like you know your mom and I fell in love and that was great like did Angie already know that was this first like first-time information that she was getting. Angie seems way too curious to me to not want to know everything about their story. Yeah. I do think, I don't know, this could just be the way that I saw it. I do think when Tina says that, Jordan does kind of do this little, like like her eyes go kind of wide and she kind of gives Tina this look like, okay, mom, I know you've told me this a hundred times. Yeah, yeah. But- yeah, it does make you wonder how much she knows. I mean, we know Jordan knows that Bet kidnapped Angie one time. 
Yes. Because so she talked about the fact that Jennifer was like, hey, did you know that I kidnapped you that one time? And Jordan was like, yeah. Yeah. I read an article or maybe watched an interview where Jordan talked about, and I'm not surprised to hear this, how kind Jennifer was to her mm -hmm. throughout like the filming of the show. I can't remember exactly what was said in it, but it was, it was very sweet. She was very like helpful to her because this was Jordan's first job. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, first acting job ever. Yeah. I don't even think she'd been in LA very long. Yeah. I cannot wait to actually get a proper scene with the three of them in it. No, I know. Because we didn't, I mean, as much as I loved the scene between Tina and Angie, and I'm glad that it happened, that was one thing that I feel like was really kind of missing from that episode was actually getting to see how these three people function as a family unit. Right. We get and, to see them like cuddling on the bed, but that's exciting. Right. But they don't show us how we get there. They don't show yeah. us what happens like yeah I mean Tina doesn't even say anything in that scene she's just there so I just I cannot wait to see what those dynamics are like and we know from Rosie O'Donnell that she did a scene with all three of them yes Th thus far they've done they have at least one scene with Bet, Tina, Angie, and Carrie which dear god lord help us yikes i envision it going down a lot like when kate arden was tina's date at jody's dinner in season four that bet was hosting anyway we're digressing of course we are anywho they do the insemination and then their friends show up they have a crisis that they are working on which is finding out if lara dana's crush at the time yes. they don't know if she's gay or not when they turn up at the house, I love that the reason that they say is that Dana has some serious relationship shit and like needs professional advice. Oh yeah. I don't know. This is just another example of how <laughs> sort of out of the loop their friends are on yeah. where they are as a couple because yeah. I would not be going to Bet and Tina for couple advice right now. No. I love them, but yeah. I would not be like, hmm, I need relationship advice. You know who's really great right now? Bet and Tina. Yeah, let, they're super solid. So let's go hit them up. And they do. And they make the decision that they're going to put Laura to the test. So they, they go to the country club together and they do a whole bunch of things that I guess in their eyes would deem if she's a lesbian or not. I so, love yeah. that it's Bet's idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I feel right. like we don't talk about that enough. <laughs> it's like one of the two times in the show she's spontaneous. That and when she does the sign thing for Jody. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the threesome guy. That's true. That's true. That's it. It's so funny to me because we think of it as such an Alice thing. Oh, yeah. Right? But this was totally, it wasn't even like Alice said anything and Bet was like, yeah, let's do that. Bet was just straight up like, it's Mission Impossible time. Yep, yep. So in this little mission that they do at the country club, they set up a scene where Tina and Bet are making out at the table. And they, I guess they want to see if they, that gets Laura's attention. There was an interview that was done around the time the show was released, 2004, 2005, where Laurel described that scene as delicious. 
She said she loved doing that scene with Jennifer. It was delicious. So do what you will with that information. But yeah, one of the best quotes I've heard in regards to their working relationship. Anywho, for them. They, they can't seem to narrow down if she's actually, if Laura's into girls, they come to no conclusion. We know that that ends up being a big relationship in Dana's life later on. So we find out the conclusion there. But what we know at that point is everyone kind of breaks off after they leave the country club. You know, one little detail from that that I noticed watching it through this time that I had never noticed before. This actually isn't Tibet related. It's just kind of Tina related and even then only tangentially, but I thought it was funny. So when they're all in the bathroom and they decide, okay, we got to bring in the big guns. We got to have Shane flirt with her. Mm -hmm. Shane looks to Tina like Tina will bail her out of that situation. And I had never noticed that before. But something about it this time, I like saw <laughs> where Kate's eyes were. And I was like, wait, 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 I have to back up. Is she looking at Tina? Because she literally gives her this look like, please, please, please. And it's great. So I just wanted to point that out because I thought it was hilarious. That's kind of one of the things I noticed. I don't think or reflect much on Shane as a character, but she is like so outwardly seen as like this player and gets with all these different women and etc etc but when she gets put in situations like this where she's told to like flex the fact that she is so undeniable in their scene she gets Mm -hmm. super timid and she it's like i have to yeah she like jumps outside of her skin i have always said that bet was tina's first baby and shane was tibet's first baby that's true that's true. And you can see it. You can see it in season two when they've split up because Shane, Shane is the one that is like, Tina, please just work it out. Moms, don't get divorced, please. Yep. And then later in season six, when she basically comes in and is like, mom, mom, can I crash on your couch? And that's like, like the cool parent that's like, yeah, whatever you need. And Tina's like, Look at your life, look at your choices. (laughs) Why are you here? Like, you fucked up. Figure it out. So later on in the episode, when we see Tina and Bet is when they're at Tim's for this dinner party, which is set up to be kind of an uncomfortable situation for Jenny, because Jenny, of course, is having an affair. Wait, you skipped a scene. What did I skip? You skipped them in the planet where Bet and Alice have that whole chat about oh, the fact yeah, yeah, that yeah. monogamy I'm sorry. exists. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. You're right. Which I wouldn't think is important except for two things. A, the fact that Laurel <laughs> misses her straw at <laughs> one point, which kills me. And B, the richness of that conversation, yeah. uh-huh. which will be a bit of a theme for the rest of the episode. That's but right. the fact that Bet is like, yeah, Alice, monogamy is a thing. Yeah, why is it so hard for you to believe that? Wait, hold on, I'll find it. No, I think it's like, why do you have to believe that everybody's sleeping with everybody else or something like that? And yeah. Alice is like, because they are. <laughs> which, I mean, I know we've talked about this before and we'll talk about it again, but like, Bet and Alice's relationship fascinates me. Yeah. I think what else is a little, this kind of comes full circle, in my opinion, with Bet kind of gets in Alice's face about this, right? Like, why is it so hard for you to believe that monogamy exists? Yeah. And here is Bet, of course, like on her high horse, 
about yep. monogamy and this long-term relationship that she's in, et cetera, et cetera. And then end of season one, into season two, she's lecturing Kit about her relationship with Ivan. Mm. And Kit calls her out and says, that sounds like it's the world according to Bet. And basically says like, that doesn't hold as much weight as it used to. Mm-hmm. Which is good for Alice and good for Kit for like always mm-hmm. standing their ground against Bet. Because mm-hmm. she does get this like radical belief that the world is according to her terms. And they're like two of the only people that will deflate her balloon to tell her, no, you're wrong. Yeah. Is that how the world at large is? Right. And especially then, because Bet's fucked up big time by then. Oh, yeah. And so for Kit and Alice to be like, uh, Bet, you don't get to stay on the pedestal anymore. Mm-hmm. You are down here with the rest of us yeah, mere mortals right. now. And, you know, I think one of the, the important things to recognize about their friend group is that while Alice and Kit especially will call Bet out on her shit and Shane really like looks up to her a lot as like a maternal figure or maybe like a sister or whatever and then Dana is the same. Bet is still in many ways like the leader of their group. And I think Mm -hmm. it's obvious when Dana is in the hospital, they find out that her cancer is more serious than it is. And it's Bet that comes forward and says like, we love you, you know, we're here for you. It's it's none of the rest of them, it's Bet. So for as much shit as we give Bet, and again, it's not gonna stop, she really is like the leader of their pack. Mm -hmm. Something I've always wondered is whether their ages correspond Mm. with the actors Mm -hmm. I mean obviously Bet is probably a bit younger than Jennifer but Mm -hmm. still because if that's the case then it would kind of make sense because Bet would be one of the oldest so it would kind of make sense that she in theory we know this isn't really true but that her friends would probably see her as the most adult and the most put together and the one to sort of aspire to be because from outside appearances at that moment, Bet has a pretty important career, has a stable relationship, is basically married in all but mm-hmm. name, mm-hmm. and is soon going to have a kid on the way. Yeah, actually, to make a note about that, I <laughs> when I listened to episode one, and I think even episode two, when I look back on how I referred to them, frequently I would say like either they were married or wives because I forget that they're not actually married in this yeah. portion of the show because they are so domesticated in so many ways. Doesn't Kit call Tina Bet's wife at one point? I'm 99% sure that word comes out of Kit's mouth at <laughs> some point in season one. But yeah, it's interesting because Kit is Bet's older sister, and even Kit looks to Bet for advice. She looks yeah. to Bet to be her compass. Yeah. And I can definitely relate to that in a lot of sense because I'm a middle child. My sister's 11 years older than me, but she always tells me that I have the characteristics of the oldest child far more than she does. And I don't know how that happens. I would be interested to know more about like how that came about with Kit and Bet. Was it their personalities and just kind of how things worked out? Or, you know, what was it? We do know that Kit was absent for some of Bet's life. How much was she absent though? Like, was it just a gap of time? Is she just back in the picture now after a decade? One of the many holes of the L word plot. I yeah. would love to know more. 
I have a theory if you would like to hear it. Go ahead. My theory is that Kit kind of, from the sounds of it, got the fuck out of Melvin's house as soon as she possibly could. Sure. And Bet was stuck there. Yeah. And also, it is kind of like you said, Bet is a very no-nonsense, even though she works in the art world, she's obviously a very linear thinker. She's very organized, very type A, whereas Kit is the exact opposite of all of those things. She's an artist. She's very laid back. Very spirited. Right. And so I think part of it, yes, is personality. And I think part of it is, I think part of the reason, and we will get into this next week when we talk about Bet, but I think part of the reason Bet is so pathologically type A is because she had that pressure from Melvin her entire life. And it didn't go away when she moved out of the house. Right. I mean, you know, he was up her ass 24 seven. Oh yeah. Calling her every day at Yale. Like, what do you mean? You're only top 5% of your class. You need to be valedictorian. What are you doing? You know, do you know how big of an opportunity this is? Blah, 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 blah. So I think that had to emotionally fend for herself in a way that I don't think Kit did. Yeah. So that's my theory. Well, it would make sense too that Bet is this way because she experienced a lot of loss in her life very early on. As far as I know, it's not as typical that a, a daughter would be without her mother raised by her mm-hmm. father versus the opposite. It's a little yeah. bit more common to grow up without a dad than it is a mom. And so she experienced that loss very early on in her life. I don't know if she knew the details of it of why her mom left or what happened there. And then at some point she lost her sister, which again, I don't know what their relationship was like when they were little. So it would make sense that Bet is this very successful driven individual because she threw herself into that. She wanted to do it all because it's time consuming. And you and I both know that. Yep. It's very easy to get wrapped up in your academics or your extracurricular activities or all these things. And it's a way to cope. You just keep yourself really busy. You're used to getting praised. You're used to being the center of attention. And it's hard for Bet sometimes, a lot of times to step out of that because it is what she probably was very accustomed to for many, many years. Absolutely, yeah. And it kind of translates, it definitely translates into her romantic relationship with Tina. Oh, yeah. Her friendships, you know, all of these things, her working relationships, you know. And it's not to say that she's not a badass woman because she is. She's very driven. She's very successful. She's got a lot going for her. But I think sometimes folks don't recognize that some people, myself included, we do that to like hide the pain or not even have to deal with it. Yeah. To just, we'll put it away. I'm going to focus on what I know I'm good at, what's going to make me feel good. And I'm going to keep it moving. Yeah. And if we think too, we know Bet is a very anxious person underneath it all. Yeah. And one of the big things when you are an anxious person is control. You want yeah. control. It's interesting because I think both Bet and Tina have these big struggles with anxiety and they kind of cope with them in the opposite way. If you think of the fight or flight, Bet 
always fights every single time, even when she objectively shouldn't. Yeah. Tina tends to run away. And that's where a lot of their issues come in because they're so busy trying to manage their own anxieties that mm -hmm. they just miss each other. Well, and I, I do love that we see the shift in that over time with them. When we get to season six, it's almost as if they, and it, make, it would make sense that they are this way, right? Like they understand, they both deeply understand and accept the fact that they are with an individual who's very flawed. Yes. Right? On both ends. They both bring a lot of shit to the table. They got a lot of baggage. They have stuff that's probably going to irritate their partner, et cetera, et cetera. But rather than fighting each other on that and how they deal with things or Tina just choosing to step to the side and let Bet do whatever she wants, they find a way to, to meet in the middle and like accept that they know that they have these issues as individuals and as a couple. Mm -hmm. And they start to actually address them and recognize them rather than ignore them and use these unhealthy coping skills to deal with their conflicts and, and such. Good job, Tibet. Yeah. I mean, you got to give them that. When they're in the car after they have that scare with Angie and her fever, and it's clear to see in that moment that they've come to an understanding. Like, Bet has come to an understanding that she is not always going to get it right because she was clearly feeling shame about the fact that she took Angie's temperature and it read wrong or whatever, but like she didn't take it out on Tina. Yes. She, was, she was angry, not just about that, but she was angry about the situation with the receptionist at the hospital. And on the flip side, Tina recognized why Bet did what she did and didn't get angry at her or what, because in that moment, Bet was justified to do that. But there seems to be this moment where you have two people who are, again, deeply flawed. They have just a lot of shit that they bring to the table. And it's like they finally found a way to meet each other in the middle of all that. Yes. It takes a long time. And we're going to have to start it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's all fine. Good. It's all right. It's all good. But knowing that they can so easily kind of revert back to these behaviors and it's comfortable for them. I think that's why we're both kind of in agreement that we can understand how they got to the point of divorce. Absolutely. Because they yeah. both can be extremely stubborn. Especially in times of stress. Yes, absolutely. Which, you know, moving to a new city, away from all of your friends, starting for Tina, a new, very important, very high-powered job for Bet. Yeah, the same job, but in a very different way. Mm -hmm. Having a four and a half year old, like that's a lot yeah. for anyone. Yeah. So yeah, that's a lot of stress at one time. Yep. I agree. So that's episode three. Do you have anything else to say about the scene in the planet? No. This is my preparing to drag Bat's ass <laughs> excitement. All right, you go ahead. Because I know what's coming. You go right ahead. Well, okay. So what happens next is we see Tina, Bet, and Marina, which, I mean, I think it's because I think Tim invites her when Marina, like, gives him that cup of coffee on the yeah, house he, or whatever. Yeah, he does. But it's just the weirdest to have Bet and Tina and Marina anyway. Because, because Marina, because she's such, like, a flirtatious person, and also just because I don't know if it gives her like some sort of sense of power. She has these interactions with Tim 
that are like borderline flirtatious, but like yeah. she's like trying to hype him up to, I don't know, make him feel better. So when they have that exchange at the planet where Marina basically says like, I see what Jenny sees in you. That's when Tim invites her to this dinner. Yeah. They go to this dinner and they're all interacting, whatever. Um, their outfits are amazing. This is one of my favorite bet outfits of the entire series. This is my, this is my favorite bet outfit in the entire series. Yeah, she looks amazing. Yeah, she looks great. I mean, they both look amazing. And I love that Laurel's top laces up in the back. That yeah. makes the gay half of my heart very happy. So they're at this party and Bet starts to realize that something is going on with Marina and Jenny. And Bet is very, my favorite thing is that she says, she says to Marina, I know it's not my place to judge you. And then immediately gets judgmental. And it's like, I know that at this point, it's not a thing yet. But knowing what is to come at the end of this season, the entire rest of this episode is laughably hypocritical. Yeah. And it just, I have a lot of feelings about it. And I don't know, like I said, I'm pretty sure the plan was always to break up Bet and Tina. I am curious to know whether they were always planning to have it be an affair because I think one of the things I wrote down was, is this dramatic irony or foreshadowing or is this just Bet being hypocritical? Because it's kind of interesting if it's foreshadowing, right? Right. I mean, it still sucks, but it's interesting. Yeah. It is hard for me to sit there and listen to Bet Porter lecture anyone on, and especially when they're going back to the house and she's so angry and she's like, you know, they're sitting there making a fool out of them. I'm like, hmm, where's that attitude like a few months from now, Ben? Yeah, when she's coming out of jail and Candace is there with them in the lobby. And Tina's being so nice and is like, do you need a ride home? Like, what can we do? Can we help? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's oddly uncharacteristic of Bet, right? That she is even catching on that there might be something going on between them because it doesn't involve her. So yeah, it's, it's, odd, it's odd that she is even so like intuitive about it and feels the need to confront Marina about it when her partner of seven years is in her face, noticeably pregnant and she doesn't even see it. But honey, sweetie. Get it, get it the fuck together, okay? Yeah. Like, I also just really want to say another thing about that party scene that made me really uncomfortable was like Jenny and Bet actually interacting with each other. <laughs> like they were full on alone in a room together for a minute. And I was yeah. like, I don't like this. I need this to stop. Why are they being nice to each other? I really, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> There's a lot of strange aspects of season one of the L word. But to me, like the relationship between Jenny and Marina was just like, I felt like I was watching a soap opera when they were in our yeah. Where are these deep rooted feelings coming from? You're so infatuated with each other, but you've probably only been together on like three occasions. I just, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it. Yeah. Anyways, so they have this moment at the house so they leave the party 
Yes, and Tina immediately, even though she has no idea what the fuck is going on, yep. immediately makes an excuse for Beth, mm-hmm. which is very telling. Yeah, it really is. They leave and they have this moment where they come back in the house and they're having a conversation and all of a sudden gets there. <laughs> and Beth does have a really funny moment where she's like, Kit, do you always have to break in? <laughs> because why did she... Maybe she thought Beth wouldn't answer the door. Maybe that's what I mean, yeah. Well, especially because of like what she's there to do and what their relationship is like. But yeah, I love that. Why do you always have to break in? Yes. And Kit is there to right her wrongs. She's in a 12-step program and she's there to make amends with her sister. Yes. And real quick before we get to that, I just want to touch on, we were just talking about how in season six, they learn not to take things out on each other. Here, Bet definitely takes her, for some reason, incredible anger at this Jenny and Marina situation and takes it out on Tina to the point where, like, Tina makes a comment clearly sarcastically mm-hmm. and Bet takes it at face value or whatever. Like, Bet says, like, why are you being so blasé? You're acting like it's not a big deal or whatever. And Tina goes, oh, yeah, that's totally what I think, Bet. And Beth's like, wow, Tina, those are great values to pass on to our child. Like, Beth, what? And they and they have almost an identical exchange in the beginning of season six, but the opposite. Tina does not understand how Beth could possibly side with Shane on the whole Shane hooking up with Nikki situation while Nikki just got out of a relationship with Jenny or they were on the rocks or whatever. And but just wants Tina to see that like, it's fine. It's all good. It is what it is. Poor Shane. Oh, these two, these two. I know. Which it's interesting to me because I feel like season one almost takes place in an alternate universe until <laughs> the last like three episodes. You're right. Cause it does, it feels like they are two totally different people. Like you said, the fact that Bet even noticed that something was going on with Marina and Jenny, never mind cared. And the fact that Tina was like, yeah, cheating, no big deal, whatever. That's so not the Bet and Tina that we know. Right. It's just very strange. I I would imagine that that was intentional to show that here we are set to believe that, I mean, and Dan calls it out right away when they're in therapy, but here we are like set to believe that there's this stable couple, or at least their friends believe that too. When right. Dana says like, you're the the most healthy or functional or best couple I know, or whatever exactly she says to describe it. But then also just because like a couple has been together for so long, doesn't mean that they're stable by any means. Right. Number one. And number two, they're both going through some serious inner turmoil in that first yeah. season. Yeah, And so I, I don't know, again, if it's meant, if we're meant to see that that's why they're so inconsistent and out of who they become, or if it was just, they didn't know what these characters were going to be ultimately, or if they would even get a season two, I don't know. Well, and also, I've said this before, I'll say it again, I think it's important to remember there were straight men in the writer's room for season one. Yeah, so it was, it was, it just didn't go. And that, ju- yeah, it just inherently changes things. Absolutely. Especially on a show like this. Yes. 
agree. You know, because as amazing as Eileen Shaken and Rose Crochet are, they cannot <laughs> single-handedly strong arm the entire lesbian experience against a, a bunch of Showtime approved white male writers. Which is, again, I have a lot of gripes about Gen Q, but I think when it comes to the newer characters of Gen Q, they seem to have a more stable footing on like who they are and the direction yes. they're going. Like it's not yes. a mystery to find out the type of people that they are. And yeah. I think that comes with time, that comes with diversity in the writer's room, comes with a lot of things, a different perspective. So Bet rejects Kit coming in and giving her and She goes, runs to the bedroom and locks herself in. And mm-hmm. Tina says like, Bet, this is really hard for her. Because it yeah. is, it takes a lot yeah. to humble yourself and come and say like, I know I fucked up. And she starts listing all the reasons why she knows that she did and doesn't go well. I always find it interesting that Kit says, I have to talk to both of you. Yeah. She's not just there to apologize to Bet, mm-hmm. but we never get to that point in the conversation. So I'm just, again, it's another detail that I guess they were like, it's Tina related, so who the fuck cares? Yeah. That was just an interesting little bit of history that I feel like they dropped in and then ignored. Yeah. But we did learn a little bit about Kit and Bet's relationship, which I thought was interesting. And I think that that is one of the first times, I think maybe that and the scene in the second half of the pilot at Kit's apartment is one of the first times we see the real Bet underneath the surface. As an actor, there's always this exercise that directors and coaches and stuff will have you do, which is how does your character act when they're alone in a room? And we see that moment where Bet is in her room with the door closed and Kit is apologizing for all of these things. Even something like, like it is really fucked up that Melvin yelled at Bet for something that he knew was Kit's fault. Sure. And props to Jennifer because you can see her kind of going back mm-hmm. to being that kid again. Yeah. And it's just very, very well acted. And you can see because she is alone, so no one can see her. It's safe for her to do it. You see the walls kind of drop. Mm-hmm. And you see this very fragile hurt human being that is that is underneath the power suit armor that is bet porter so i also wonder too if maybe the reason why kit said to bet or to both of them like i need to talk to both of you is because they wanted to be sure to establish to the audience that kit is not against them being together yes you know she is an acceptance of them being a couple and she loves tina I mean, we see the closeness of her and Tina a little bit later in the season, but there's a moment at the end of the, the episode here where Bet is still in the room and Tina comes in and she's caring for her. She is yeah. comforting her because Bet is clearly hurt. And it's one of the first times we hear, there's a, there's a few times throughout the series when Tina will say, that's one of the things I love about you. And this is one of the times where she says, I love that you basically stand by your convictions. It sets you apart. I think also, kind of like you said, one of the things that I really appreciated about that scene was Tina and Kit so clearly are family to each other. Mm -hmm. Because we see after Kit 
turns to Tina and goes, well, I guess I fucked that up. Right. And Tina's like, no, you didn't. Mm-hmm. And they just have one of those like little exchanges that, you know, you have with your family mm-hmm. where one of the other people in your family is being stubborn or whatever. And you just kind of have to go, okay, that's just being bet. We'll try again later, whatever. Mm-hmm. When Kit's walking out the door, Tina just kind of gives her this pat on the shoulder And it's just the entire thing is very, you can tell that Kit is as much a sister to Tina as she is to Bed. Yeah. And I like that they set that up that early. Well, and they they have an interesting standpoint, Kit and Tina, because they have unconditional love for this woman who is so very complex. Yes. And they are the biggest pieces of her life to mm-hmm. a certain extent i think over time in the series bet and kit definitely get closer but that's that's only sibling no matter how close you are to your siblings they're still your siblings except for tina's sister because fuck her yeah she can rot in hell for all i care it's one more play. thing that i will say because i just thought of it when you were saying it final point i want to make on this which well i feel bad because i feel like i'm ending on a sad note But I think it's interesting that the very thing in this episode that Tina says she loves about Bet is the very thing that destroys them. Food for thought. Why? Why do you do that? Why? Well, I mean, I think I think it's important because I wonder how true that is. You know, because I think it is one of those complicated situations where the same thing that you love about someone is also the thing that drives you fucking crazy about them. Right. And explain a little bit more what you mean by that. Like, it's the thing that I guess what I mean by that is that the thing that Tina says she loves is that I love that you have such strong convictions. Mm -hmm. And I can see how that would be, you know, because to a certain point that is attractive and incredible and I can imagine for where Tina's at in her life seeing that be this confident assured person who speaks her mind is something that she really admires and does love about her sure however when Bet's dysfunction kicks in those convictions turn into very rigid rules sure and if you stray anywhere outside of those rules, Bet cannot let that go. Right. And I think that when Tina says, when she tells her you're a control freak and your stuff is always more important than anybody else's. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard on a relationship. And I think it is. So I think it's kind of that balancing act of, of course, Bet is this driven woman with convictions and yes tina loves that about her but it is also one of the things that makes her so hard to be in a relationship with sure and i don't think obviously in this scene i don't think tina's realized yet but us having seen the whole series multiple times we know that Mm -hmm. and so it's just kind of interesting to look at them and where they are and you know it was um watching this reviewer I really liked and she was talking about suspense and how if spoilers ruin a story 
because what spoilers do is effectively turn a first viewing into a second viewing, right? So if spoilers ruin the story, you might not have a very good story. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, you know, a testament to the writing, as weird as it was in this season, that it does hit differently that time around, mm-hmm. but it still hits significantly. Mm-hmm. So that was way more in-depth and academic sounding than I wanted it to be. I'm sorry, but. No, you don't have to apologize. It was good insight. It's also important to know just in life that you can be really great at something, but that doesn't mean that it's not, that it won't put you in unhealthy or destructive situations. Your drive, your determination, all these things, if you're not careful, they can get in the way of everything else in your life. Yeah. Your heart, you name it. It can drive you away from people rather than towards them. It can make you a better partner or it can make you a worse one. It could make you a better friend or worse, you know, the list goes on. But I think that's very true of Bet and Tina. Among all the other things that they go through, I think that she just wants Bet to like strike a balance. Yes. In her Don't ability- we all, Tina? Yeah, like in her ability to be driven and focused and determined, but to also be empathetic and understanding and recognize that like she's not the only person on earth that goes through shit right has problems or struggles or whatever right so this has been episode five of all things tibet and you had said our last outro that we did was uh was the word you used to describe it? Why did we end on such a something note? Oh, we sounded, well, it won't be the last one. I think it was the episode three one. I think just because behind the scenes info for you guys, Brittany and I recorded episode three in two separate chunks because Brittany had to go be an adult and have a life. And so I think we had just been recording for so long that our outro for episode three sounded very like, this has been all things. <laughs> <laughs> like, we just sounded so tired. Yeah. I mean, we had been and I was just like hours. Yeah. I was just like, Brittany, we got to fake the energy a bit better, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was a long day of recording. We, I mean, yeah. we, I think we had like, we recorded for two hours and then we took a break for like an hour and then we recorded for another two hours. Yeah. I mean, I no, I think it was collectively like two hours. Oh yeah, it was. It was an hour and an hour. That's what it was. I mean, it felt like it was the whole (laughs) afternoon because we took that break. Yeah. So anyway, we have one day we might find a way to just record an episode in thirty or forty minutes, but at the rate we're going, every like unedited raw footage of our audio of these episodes is at least an hour. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. Which always makes me think of Amanda because she said, just put, just put it all out. I'll listen to it. <laughs> like, Amanda, we've already now recorded for over six hours and we're only on episode five of this, of this podcast. So to nobody needs to hear us talk that much. No, we don't even need to hear ourselves talk that much. No. So to end it on a more optimistic, upbeat note, this has been episode five of All Things Tibet. I'm Brittany. I'm Taylor. We'll see you next week. 
episode of All Things Tibet podcast hosted by Taylor and Brittany. At this time, we do not have any sponsorships, but if you're interested in sponsoring us, please send us an email at allthingstibet at gmail.com. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under All Things Tibet podcast. And you can check out our main podcast profile at anchor.fm slash allthingstibet. We post new episodes every Tuesday, and we send all of our love to the Tibet fandom for their support during this time as we get this brand new podcast off the ground. We will see you next week.